from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast Tech Corner. And now, join me in welcoming your host and CISO, James Azar. Hello, folks. Welcome to another Veteran November episode. I've got a legend joining me today, <laughs> Dutch Schwartz. What's happening, Dutch? Hey, James. How are you? I'm doing well. Did did uh, calling you a legend make you laugh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think you, most people would feel slightly uncomfortable with that. So. <laughs> Plus, I was pumped up by the intro, so that music was great. Yeah, right? That's like you're the yeah. second person to hear that intro. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so it. my buddy Keith did it, um, voiceover guy, very talented. Before we get started, though, folks, make sure yeah. that you subscribe right now to the podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell. I'm very, very close to monetizing my YouTube channel, folks. So I really, really want to monetize <laughs> this darn thing. So please subscribe and, and just watch like 10 minutes. That helps too, right? So do that as well. Um, Dutch, how's it going, buddy? It's good, man. You know, I mean, I think we're um, we've had it. You know, settle into kind of what the new new is, and, and try to look forward to 2021, and and try to figure out how we do this thing better. So I'll tell you what I'm planning to do on 2021, and I, 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 I've told people before. Um, I hope it rains on January 1st, 2021. Like it would be really symbolic. New Year, ah, right? right? Rain washes away everything, <laughs> and I sure. want to go outside and I want to dance <laughs> in the rain. Right, like one of those like weird like Hollywood movie scenes, like ah, like I'm praying <laughs> it rains, so I can do that and I can be like wash away COVID, wash away 2020, right? Y2K came 20 years later than we expected, but right. here we are. Let's let's move forward now. I love it. Um, that you have a specific vision. I have not heard that yet. So let's see if it rains. You know, I, I I hope it rains on January first, and if it doesn't, I'll find it in the forecast wherever it's raining in the country. I'll book a flight, go there to do it. <laughs> That's a great attitude. All right, Dutch. So, veteran November, obviously honoring our veterans. Tell us a little bit about your military right. service and what you did. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, I enlisted on the anniversary of D Day, so December seventh. In 1990, that was like on purpose. So that was kind of a cool little thing for me mentally to do. So I enlisted in the uh, Army National Guard. Uh, then I later served as an officer on active duty in the reserves and then, and was mobilized. So kind of the whole spectrum of the things that you can do um, within the Army. I did all of those. So were you combat or were you more kind of like signal intel and so forth? Yeah, no, I was an infantry officer. So, yep. So that was my uh, primary specialty. And uh, from a mobilization standpoint, I was here in the U.S. and I had a team and we were training people to uh, to go over. Brilliant. And and one, how long were you in the service for? So uh, 12 years. Yeah. Okay. 12 so years. you came yeah. out 2002, like right after 9-11, essentially. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So I had just a couple of years in there because I was a cadet for three years. So it's gotcha. you know, not really part of that. Yeah. So about fifteen, from my perspective, yeah, fifteen years kind of bookends the total the total time. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk. So if if you did cavalry and infantry, then w- tell me a little bit about your um, um, how'd you get an infosec. Yeah. So you know, I, I got out and probably like a lot of people. I wrote my resume and tried to translate that into what I thought was the civilian sector. 
and I realized that um, somebody said, hey, now pretend that you never had any time in the military and go read your resume. And I reread it. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Because I had all these acronyms in there. I had all these titles, which are really like near and dear to your heart. You know, if, you know, combat leader and all these different things. I'm like, they're like, yeah, but a civilian employer, it's not that they don't care about it, but they may not understand what that means, right? And so uh, I kind of struggled to sort of re re-architect that. Like, what do these things mean? And um, I was fortunate that I, I ran into somebody else who had also was, was transitioning from active duty to the reserves. And she had interviewed with a technology company. And she's like, you know, I think you'd be a great fit. And I thought, okay, I mean, I like technology and I'm familiar, but I mean, you know, I didn't, wasn't really trained in that. And she's like, it's okay because um, this was in the mid nineties, by the way. And, you know, things were moving so quickly. She's like, you just have to be able to adapt and learn technology really fast. And I think you'd be a great fit. And she was, luckily she was right. Um, so I interviewed with the, with a, a small technology company, mostly in networking systems integration. And initially they turned me down, which is probably the right choice because my interview was probably terrible. I had not interviewed at all. I did another, you know, 15 interviews with a bunch of different companies and took a, a job, uh, but I was still looking. And they called me back a couple months later and I was probably a little more polished, you know, from the interview standpoint. And uh, yeah, so I was fortunate, I, I, I jumped in. And so uh, it was a really small company, probably eight or nine of us, I think, when, when I joined. And so while we focused on networking, it was really any kind of anything that the project required. So everything from pulling cable to a truck to, you know, all, all the way up to the to the desktop. So I, I was fortunate to learn from really great engineers, just kind of the whole spectrum of, of how to do those kinds of projects. So that's how I got in. Um, and as the years went on, uh, I thought a lot more about you know, how do you transfer those things, right? That you learn, what, you know, particularly in this case from the military. And so what I try to coach people on is, you know, we don't have great terminology. So what I would separate the two, there's skills and there's competencies and skills are narrower. So like if you have a skill of a specific thing, right? Like I have a lot of skills around uh, weaponry. Those don't necessarily transfer directly, but competencies do. And competencies are broader things, things like um, uh, dealing with ambiguity, um, soft skills, um, being able to engage with people. So there's there's competencies that you can you can bring over. And there's a ton of those that military veterans have that I think sometimes until they get out, they, they don't really realize. Right. Um, specifically around learning. Right. The military is arguably one of the world's largest learning organizations. And the way that you have structured learning and hip pocket training and all the various things that you do that are just part of the normal fabric of the military, those are really valuable when you transition into the civilian sector. But if you don't know that, it's hard to kind of tap into that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, completely get it. I think most of the time when people transition, um, you know, especially from combat. So you're the second person I speak right. with who comes from combat and goes into InfoSec. And both of you have yeah. said kind of something very, very similar. I want it to be combat so bad. I want it to be 13 Bravo <laughs> so, so bad. And then I got my ASFAT scores and they were like, yeah, we're going to put you in infantry, but but that'll be your second AIT. Like we're, we're going to have you go first to Monterey. You're, we're going to have you do 35 Lima. And I was like, okay, like, all right. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, you know, no, like, that's, that's a fun school. journey. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but but that that's a journey. Um, but but coming from combat to infosec, um, there are specific aspects of technology and I think in security that don't require keyboard, right? That don't require you to be in Signal or IT. 
Um, you know, GRC is a classic example of people who are able to strategize, plan ahead, uh, build incident response right. plan, practice lead incidents, um, uh, project manage, you know, being able to bring different teams together so that you can you can pull pieces. And, and you learn that in combat, right? Because in combat, when all hell breaks loose, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, so there, there, that's, a, that's a good point. There's a lot of those skills that... Uh, that you can tap directly into, right? So you, you always have this sort of the foundational skills, right? That technical skill, right? Sort of the 10,000 hours theory. And, and while I appreciate that theory, I'm more of a proponent of range, right? Which is the ability to learn from those experiences across a different set of, of circumstances, right? And, and military people have that because, right? It's the old adapt, improvise, overcome, right? right. It's the ability to bring different teams together. And there's also a difference between, difference between strategy and tactics. And in the civilian sector, people munge these terms together like they're the same thing. They're, they're not the same thing, right? Strategy is multiple groups of people, right, at, at a higher level purpose, right, that you're trying to coordinate, right? Tactics are, are just that, right? It's an individual or small group. And so if you understand strategy, to your point, um, that's much more like, frankly, a senior leader role uh, in cybersecurity, right? If you think about the the mind map, right, of any of those mind maps that you look at for a CISO, think of all those different areas, right, you have to be great in. Uh, it's not just technical competence. That's a piece. It's, a, it's important to have a grounding in that, but that is not the full job, particularly in the 2020s. That's, to me, not the go-forward path for the majority of CISOs and success. Yeah, I was uh, fortunate to hear General Petraeus talk this morning. Oh, cool. And... Um, it, it's uh, probably my eighth or ninth time that I've heard him speak. And I swear every time that guy opens his mouth, like I, I leave with like four pages of notes out of a 10 minute talk. Right. Right. Because when you think of strategy as a general and then head of the CIA and kind of launching the CIA cyber warfare, because the CIA kind of had a cyber war arsenal, but General Petraeus was the guy who kind of launched it out in terms of cyber espionage campaigns and, and whatnot um it's brilliant to hear him talk strategy and he wasn't a cyber guy right but he was right. a strategy guy general patrius patrius was a great strategist um and so so there's aspects to that that you go wow like just You yeah, you, me right you, now? You went, there you go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, for a second there, I took my eye off my audio thing and I was like, oh, so um, so so people may have not heard the last thing I said about General Petraeus, but he's a brilliant guy who who started launching kind of the the, the CIA cyber warfare um, kind right. of deal. And, and um, when I heard him speak this morning, he was talking about a little bit of the, the, the cyber battlefield today as it's shifting. And so it's very interesting to hear him talk about that kind of stuff. And, and you learn a lot because General Patrice wasn't a keyboard guy. He was a strategy guy. And so there's a lot to right. learn from there. Um, talking, let's talk a little bit about your transition. So you went from active duty probably to reserves, and then you transitioned yes. into civilian life. Did that make life easier for you? Was that an easier path than maybe active duty, 4, 8, 10, 12, 15, 20, 22 years cut? Now you're a civilian? Yeah, I think so, just because when you have that length of time in any field, right, I mean, you you, you start to develop unconscious biases, right, that you, you just always happen right after a length of time. So you stay anywhere 
I don't know what the magic number is, it's six years or 10 years or 12, you just start to be get kind of inculcated into however that organization thinks, right? And so, yeah, it probably was easier. When I saw peers of mine who stayed longer, um, they were a little more um, adrift, right? At Coming out at 18 years of active duty or 20 and trying to say, okay, how do I transition out? I think it was a much a steeper curve for them where I kind of had the blend of like, I still felt like I was, you know, I mean, I, I still go to reserves and I, and frankly, my friends initially, you know, were all reservists and, and, and people that were still on active duty, right? So I still kind of had a community as I try to sort out what the heck am I going to do with my career and how do I build that? So it was probably an easier transition for me to, uh, or also even just to commiserate with other people. Hey, how'd you find a job? Like, what was the transition? What, what things did you try? Um, so it was a good, as a, as a community, um, to, to be able to make that transition. What, when you think of, you know, kind of like the transition from active duty to reserve, there's a difficulty one in going from like being in seven days a week to maybe a week in right. a month, two weeks in the summer, and then right. having to go back to civilian life. So was it harder trying to balance those two, or did you find it kind of more of a, um, easier because you still had a little bit of the military structure while you were still kind of being able to go out and get drunk on Friday and not have to wake up for a PT <laughs> on Saturday. Right. It, it was hard sometimes because I would get to like the Friday night before and then I would kind of have to flip the switch mentally. Like, oh, I have to go to go mode. You know what I mean? And you get back into that that mode. Um, and then it's, it's probably harder to, to flip it to the other direction, right? Like Monday morning to get back into the civilian world was probably for me personally a little harder, not because there's anything sort of inherently wrong with this, you know, the, the, that setup, but it was just, uh, you just don't have the same, you have to find a sense of purpose in the civilian world, right? And you sort of don't have to find that right, in the military because it's already laid out for you, right? I mean, arguably you probably thought about it at least subconsciously when you joined, right? So there's always this greater purpose, right? So you, so I, when people ask me, I'm like, right, I, I never, there was days that were incredibly frustrating or, you know, like in any kind of profession, but overall I, ne I always felt like I was doing capital G good, you know, like because you're right. part of a, a, a something, right? Whereas you, I miss that. You miss that sometimes coming into a civilian seg sector um, you don't automatically have that, right? Everybody may or may not have the same sense of purpose and, and drive um, that you do. So you have to kind of find that, that you have to find your own community. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've always felt like people who go to the, um, that go from direct active duty to civilian have this like inherent challenge, which is mm -hmm. um, one, you know, people at most civilian jobs, and I say most civilians do this, but six o'clock come, I don't care where I am on my task. I'm going, work will be here tomorrow morning. I'm going to go home. I'm going to sit in traffic. I'm going to eat dinner with my family and play a video game and go to sleep. And I find that a lot of the veterans I speak with have a hard time comprehending that mindset, right? Because you don't stop something when you're in the middle of it. Right. It's mission accomplished, right? And, and when mission's accomplished, mission's accomplished. And that's when you finish. And that's when you go home. And so that work right. ethic becomes a challenge. Yeah, it, it's um, yeah, it's just a different mindset, right? And, and you have to figure out how do I get comfortable with how many hours I'm okay working with. And, and so the, the, I think the big benefit of, of, of having veterans on your teams is that when things get difficult, those are the people you want, right? Because they're going to they're gonna do whatever they need to do to help 
get the thing done to your point around mission accomplishment you'll sleep right and so for you'll sleep for an hour in a conference room wake up use some mouthwash make a cup of coffee right. go back to work yeah yeah absolutely so just a mindset right it's that whole resilient mindset that you get it's just built into you right on the flip side you have to figure out well how do i how do i unplug right how do i get into a rhythm that is inherently different you know in the civilian world um because everybody's not going to be in that same kind of mindset as you. So you have to right. figure out, like, well, how do I unplug? When do I unplug? Um, gosh, take advantage of that time with your family and stuff. You like, you, you know, yeah. make make the most of it in that direction, too. It's funny when I speak to um, several of, of people, people who I served with, I served for four, but they, they stayed on mm -hmm. and they retired. Right. And yeah. some of them are, are coming out um, when I speak to their girlfriends or wives. Right. It's really funny. Because they go, you know, I thought now that he's a civilian, you know, we'll get to spend more time together. There won't be any of that stuff. And when they pick a career in InfoSec, I got to like I, I told one of my buddy's wives, I was like, he's picking a career in InfoSec. You know why? And she goes, well, I was like, because it's as similar to active duty as it gets. I go, you can get a three o'clock phone call. You're on your feet. You're out the door within 15 minutes and you're not coming back for three, four days sometimes, depending on how severe uh, the incident that you get called on is. And I go, th there's an aspect of that that people who are in active duty who are used to it just love. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's cool. I'd love to see the stats. I've never seen any research, but it does feel like there are a lot of us, right, in, in cybersecurity. Um, and maybe it's just, uh, you know, anecdotal because we all find each other and, you know, so we end up all talking to each other. But it does feel like a lot of us have found our way to, to the cybersecurity world because there is at least a sense of, Hey, there's a bigger purpose here. Like we, you know, without sounding grandiose, like there is something really important, right? That, that you're really trying to accomplish. And that does kind of spark up the camaraderie, right? And, and the teamwork. So I, I think people do do like that part of the, uh, of the transition. Yeah, people do enjoy that. So let me ask you this. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do today for people who don't know the legendary Dutch <laughs> and, and don't yeah, know sure. what you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes, yeah, so what I do is I, I work with uh, uh, CISOs and their staffs, and, and I really just try to help create cloud security strategies. I mean, so at, a, at the top level, that's really what it is. I mean, most the most customers are in some transition, right, to where they use the cloud and, and when they use the cloud. And, and so my role is to really kind of help layer the security lens on top of that, right? And so... I sort of start with first principles. You know, what's what are the business initiatives? What's the business trying to accomplish? That's kind of a one of the the lenses that I bring onto that. And then we sort of say, okay, um, what does that mean to security? So, as an example, if your company was really focused on um, great customer experience, right? So that might be the top level business thing, right? And so then you say, okay, now with the security lens, what does that mean? Well, anything that interrupts the customer experience then is is negative, and so we need to make sure that we Put the the right guardrails in place and the right uh, the right resources to make sure they have a great experience. So so sometimes if I see a bottom up organization like we talked about earlier, right, sort of a keyboards up, um, then that's like a we love technology. I love technology, but we love technology and we're sort of fixing problems that maybe aren't actually tied to a strategic initiative, right? So it's sort of my my job to kind of knit those things together, right? To have the technologists, uh, architects, and engineers, you know, that are resources when you really need to dive deep. But it's my job to kind of, I call myself an explainer of things because um, I'm translating, right, between the, what's the technology and what's the business. And that's part of my role. I think we need more more EOTs. 
um, <laughs> um, I'll tell you, I think, you know, we have IoT and that's just a pain in the, in, in the back end for most people. I think EOTs would be very helpful, especially if we get out of our own echo chamber. Like one of the reasons I'm doing this Veteran November series is simply because I want to get out of our echo chamber about InfoSec and kind of kill some of the myth that are around it. Like you got to have keyboard yeah. experience. Not really. Um, you got to come from US Cyber Command or if you're from Israel, you yeah. got to be 8200 or, you know, if right. you, you don't have to have all of that. Right. I mean, cyber is so much beyond keyboard. It's so much beyond being a hacker. It's so much beyond of, you know, being a blue teamer or, or a purple teamer, you know, Hollywood and TV has given this idea that cyber is a bunch of guys looking at screens, you know, stopping a missile attack by hacking a missile and stopping it a second before it blows up. And you're like, that's right. not really the job. Like, I don't know. I can't recall that ever happening in real life. Yeah, that's a very, that's like a 1% of 1% kind of, yeah. you know, thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, and I sometimes just go ground myself. I'll just go ask my kids, right? So my kids range in age from like 10 to 16. And I'll ask them like, hey, what do you think your, especially the teenagers, what do you think your friends would say about cybersecurity? And it is spot on what you just said, right? They think it's either, you know, they watch war games with their parents, you know, way back when. Uh, or, yeah, they think it's somebody in a hoodie, which is, that's a terrible image, right? It, it, a lot of people hate that image. But it's at 4 a.m. and they're drinking a Mountain Dew and they're they're typing on the keyboard. And Obviously, you know, uh, being able to code and, and scripting, there's a ton of goodness that comes out of that. But again, that's a skill, right? A competency is understanding the business and then how do I apply security in a way that reduces friction and still keeps you secure. That's totally different. And you don't have to have come from cybersecurity to do that. So, um, but it does put some of the onus on um, hiring managers, right? Um, I've talked with others about uh, like, there's a, there's a projected job shortage. Uh, I think what we have is a shortage of creativity. There's t there's plenty of people. We're not short on people, but we're short on is creativity, right? So you have, a, specifically with veterans, you have a group of people who have mental models, they understand frameworks, they understand training, but they know how to be flexible and adapt. Those are great competencies, right, that would transfer into any kind of a role. I can teach you Python. Right, we we could teach you what are, what YouTube. the critical things are. Go to YouTube. Yeah, you can literally absolutely. learn it in eight hours. A absolutely, you can learn what uh, what are the critical indicators of compromise in your particular industry. We could teach you those things. Right, it's harder to teach you uh, the competencies. Right, and so we need to be creative and thinking about how do we actively try to bring people in that are veterans um, because they have tons of goodness that they bring uh, with that experience. Yeah, I have a theory that I'm trying to push with DOD, which is take every single veteran who's combat, who's getting a medical discharge and doesn't know what to do with himself, teach mm -hmm. him cyber, because cyber doesn't require PT, right? I know that right. they require, you know, cyber command units to still do PT, and you want people to be in shape because, you know, I was watching uh, Matthew McConaughey on Joe Rogan, and he was <laughs> okay. talking about... Um, he was talking about when he went down 135 pounds for the Dallas Buyers Club. I mean, he lost a ton of weight. Okay. The guy's normally like 180 some odd pounds, 188 pounds. He went down to 135. And now yeah, that he went lot. back up, he said, listen, my mental sharpness at 135 was unbelievable. He goes mm -hmm. at 188. My mental sharpness really did kind of go down a little bit. 
And that was interesting. So I, I realized why we do PT, right? There's a lot of aspects of PT that are very important. But at the same time, these kids are heartbroken. And I call them kids because Absolutely. a lot of them are getting discharged at 18, 19, 20. In most terms, we still call college people college kids, right? Yeah. So we have soldiers who go in and we call them men because we become a man after boot camp, right? We're trained. We go in as a boy. You come out as a man. But take those medical discharge kids, give them a cybersecurity boot camp, put them to work, get them a job with a contractor because they already got the security clearance. They've already done a lot of this stuff. Like they're right. easy to fill some of those gaps. And it's an initiative right now I'm trying to push up, you know. Um, up and down the chain, meaning talking to our elected officials. Obviously, now you can't talk to mm-hmm. them about anything um, until next week. We're recording this in October, folks. It's a, it's a week before election. This is airing <laughs> day after Veterans Day. So uh, people are going to be like, what are you talking about, James? Election's over. Well, when we're recording, this election was still a week away. Um, but kind of trying to get, get this across to create some sort of jobs program or even a military DOD program to keep our assets inside the military and find, you know, we're talking, I'm talking to several medical professionals over at NIH and, and, and other places where I'm just like, hey, guys, let's find a way to keep these medical, you know, uh, medically discharged people who are going up against the medical discharge in the service to do something, right? Find a job yeah, for them somewhere. A- yeah, I, I love that idea. I love everything about that for, for two reasons. One, again, I can't stress this enough. They know enough to know how to learn, right? Anyone in the military knows how to learn. Like that's just intrinsically part of what you do, right? Because when you're not actually in combat, all you're doing is learning, right? right. And we have a great a great construct, right? After action reviews, there's so many things that the civilian sector has, in a good way, taken from the military. And that's one of them, right? I mean, postmortem is just an after action review, right? It's the same thing. Right. And so they know how to learn and they're motivated. Right. I mean, those are two great, great, great things. So um, I, I think that that one of the things that that as I look back over my career that I lament that that's happened in the marketplace is we used to have internships. We used to have these kinds of programs. But post like the bubble, the initial bubble bursting, right, 99, 2000, a lot of that training, a lot of those internships, a lot of those programs, they went away. Right. Because they got cut. But so I would love to see programs like this where we take somebody who's on their way right in the medical, tra- you know, maybe they're tr- in the transition phase even, and you give them some uh, trainings, uh, training or certifications that would help them because that would that would help us. Right. We need more right. people. We need there's people. Absolutely. We're, we're almost at our uh, 30 minute mark, Dutch, and I can talk to you forever. Like, I don't know <laughs> why I set a 30 minute rule for the for, for veteran November. Like maybe veterans should get a full hour, but I kind of want it to be respectful of people's time, like 30 minutes a day. You can listen to this sure. podcast. You can get inspired. You can inspire others right. while you're eating lunch right. and listening to this. Um, and so so yep. that's why I went kind of the 30 minute route. Um Cool. I'll ask you. I'll ask you one final question that I ask every veteran that's been on the show thus far. Sure. One thing you loved about your military service. What's one thing that really kind of you miss now that you're not not enlisted anymore? Uh, being so close to the the team, the people. Right. I mean, I'm still friends with people that I knew in 1990. Right. And there and a bunch of time might go past. Like somebody just recently, you know, found me on LinkedIn, or we found each other. And I'm sure that we haven't seen each other since like 1993, 94 or something. But because we had that shared experience, it was just like, you know, picking up where we left off. Right. And so just that esprit de corps uh, or that teamwork, all those fun things, that, that shared hardship builds a, builds a community. Right. 
And it's something that you can lean on when times get tough again. And I always say the civilian sector, right? But everybody goes home alive here. I mean, it's important, but it, 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 you're going to go home. It's going to be fine, right? So it's not as tough, but it, it's fun to lean on those people. So that's what I miss the most probably is that esprit de corps. Yeah, that brotherhood, that camaraderie, that community, that, um, you know, sitting out in the field somewhere waiting six, seven hours for a 20-minute drill to take place. Like you're in six-hour prep for a 20, 30-minute, you know, drill. And in those six hours, you're cracking jokes, you're, you know, right. passing the time. And uh, there's a level to that that doesn't happen in the corporate corporate world or, or in civilian it's funny because, you know, when we go to like DEFCON or RSA, it's very easy to find the veterans because we're somewhere in the corner <laughs> talking military talk, right? Right, And of you course. kind of see the civilians picking up swag. Not that we don't pick up swag, but we're kind of trying to find each yeah. other and go grab a beer. And, and there, there's yeah. a thing to that that's, that's, that's very unique and very special that makes us all miss it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. So uh, I'm all for, I'm, I'm really thrilled you're doing this the month and focusing on this and uh, we should do it more yeah well let, let's start that this month this will be kind of like a kickoff this year and maybe next year we're able to you know team up with all the different kind of infosec people and technology people and really do this across not just my platform but across like i hope that by next year i'm able to recruit you know dave and chris and and chris roberts and right. all these guys and we sure. do just you know um across the entire industry we just do veteran november and it goes yeah, beyond infosec awesome. that infosec was able to inspire technology people and marketing people and sales people and, right. and all of those to kind of go you know what yeah veteran november and we should probably give our veterans more than two days a year right like we should give them more than memorial day which has lost all meaning in this country unfortunately uh it's become a barbecue fest for most Americans and Veterans Day where this year there's really nothing going on because of COVID and I understand why but at the same sure. time like a lot of us look forward to Veterans Day the Veterans Day parade meeting with veterans from mm -hmm. Korea Vietnam World War Absolutely. II those that are still left like that's one of my favorite things I mean and and, and unfortunately uh, um, uh, COVID is preventing us from doing that we got to do it virtual this year and it's not the same as we were talking before we got started right next year Next year, yes, we will. I'll dance in the rain on January first. That'll be, if it rains on January first, twenty twenty one is going to be a much better year. I'm expecting that we, we we should see a live stream of you doing that. That that would be very. I think my <laughs> wife would not be able to hold a steady phone if I went out dancing in the rain. She, you know, my neighbors <laughs> might call nine one one be like, "Is James okay? He's left his house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he broke quarantine. What's going on?" Yeah, what's happening? Uh, he, he's left yeah. the bunker. Is everything okay? <laughs> Is our neighborhood safe finally it. from right. those criminal yeah. hackers? My right. neighbors right. have right. all been given cyber hygiene and cybersecurity lessons. It's 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 fascinating. Oh yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's and really we all do it for our families, and, and nobody listens. Well, you know, with, with your neighbors, <laughs> it's 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 some fun, but yeah, I mean, th there's an aspect to community that that still we as cyber we we need to speak beyond just our echo chambers, right? There's an aspect. No, completely, that. completely agree. There's a great there's a, there's a there's a I think a renewed emphasis or a new emphasis on right. We need those other skills. So these those other competencies, and, the, and the, right, we need people who are psychologists. We need social sciences. We need all of the people things. Because at the heart of it, we're solving human behavior problems. Right. 
Well, right? so we, we need to bring those in. So, um, so I remember a presentation I attended at RSA like four or five years ago. And they had kind of, and, and I forgot who it was, and I don't want to name him because I felt like it was so wrong. They had silos and they had cyber as being a silo as part of a business. And, yeah. I, and I'm like, no, no, yeah. negative. That's a wrong, like, no, people stop. Like, cover your ears. Don't listen to this anymore. We're not, we, we can't be silo. Right. We have to be across the organization. And that's the message we got to put out there is, you know, we're supposed to be in finance. We're supposed to be in ops. We're supposed to be in, in DevOps. You know, we're supposed to be, in, in, in innovation, in IT, in marketing, in sales. We're supposed to be across the entire organization, not siloed in our own corner. And so I felt, I felt yeah, like that it's, was it's, a, it's, a it's bad a, message. Well, and it's a, it, that is a bad message in my, in my estimation. And, and, it's, and it's bad on both sides, right? On the one hand, cybersecurity teams and technology teams, right, are, are enablers, right? So they have to be integrated into the business, right? They need to feel like they're part of the larger whole, right? And then on the flip side, the, 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 the people who happen to work in other domains need to understand security as a culture. It needs to be part of your culture, right? Yeah. And, and that's the only way you do that. You can't have silos like that. It has to be integrated as part of the culture. Yeah, it's got to be like the CFO. The CFO is in siloed. He's sitting and he's watching every single department. He's managing the budgets and we have to be the same. Um, I always say that a CISO should be equivalent to a CFO. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I completely agree that that I, I lean towards, uh, I'm a, a fan of Gary Hayslip, like like a lot of folks. Yep, Gary you know, and I lean was, towards is, is our Veterans Day episode. Fantastic. Uh, you know, if you, so I, I always use his definition, right? So people process uh, technology and frameworks, right? And then I would add culture. Yeah. The culture is the thing that binds all those together. So if you think of just orienting on those things, you'll, you'll get to the right you know, outputs that you want. Brilliant. Well, we're over time and I'm sure people don't mind listening to us <laughs> more, but we want to be respectful and get them back to work, especially since they're sure. kind of tuning out here. Dutch, thanks so much for coming on the show. Folks, another one of those Veteran November episodes. We have much, much more coming up for the rest of the month. We'll have an episode airing every single day at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on your favorite podcast listening platform. Watch us on YouTube. You can watch it on LinkedIn at the CyberHub podcast page. You can watch it on our Twitter page, on our Facebook page. It's we're, we're put it, I'm putting these more than I put out any other content because I want to. we want to inspire and, and get people involved um, in InfoSec and realizing that um, they, they can be contributing uh, to this. Dutch, thanks again for coming on. I had a blast. Thanks, James. I appreciate it. All right, folks. That's it. Back with so much more, uh, again, and more content. So make sure to subscribe. Until then, stay healthy, stay cyber safe. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com. 